The latest order shutting down our local bars and clubs and restaurants and restricting restaurant capacity at 25% has devastated the livelihoods of many small businesses all across Pennsylvania in those small communities. In many of these small communities, it is those very small mom and pop businesses, sometimes generational businesses, that have sustained their local economies. Welcome to another episode of Pennsylvania Policy Podcast. I'm your host, Chuck Nichols, along with my co-host, Jason Gottesman, the spokesman for the House Republican Caucus. And you've just been listening to House Majority Leader Kerry Benninghoff. He's speaking about what is going on this week in Harrisburg. Listen to a little bit more. It's also got a downstream impact. It's not just about the restaurants or the clubs, but the hotels, the people that supply them, the truck driver that delivers to them, the farmers. With schools sometimes pending whether they're going to open or not, tremendous impact on our dairy industry. And even the dry cleaners in our communities. If you have a hotel with 500 table spaces, three napkins apiece or more each night going out to the dry cleaners, this is not happening. The ever-increasing desperation in many of these voices of these small business owners that we hear from is happening greater every single day. Jason, we just listened to the majority leader talking at a press conference yesterday in Harrisburg. Of course, our restaurants are really struggling right now. That entire industry is just, uh, you know, it, it's really looking for some kind of way up and out of the problems that it's been facing. Can you tell us a little bit about the push that uh, we've been doing, that the majority leader has been leading in this regard? Yeah, Pennsylvania is sick. Pennsylvania is not sick because of COVID-19, but it's sick because of the governor's economic devastation, his overbroad unilateral shutdown orders, uh, his use of emergency powers, which uh, you know go beyond the uh, the legal norm here, despite the fact that uh, the governor's Democrat allies on the Supreme Court have said he can do what he wants. Um, the people of Pennsylvania are sick. They're sick and tired of it. Uh, they want a return to normalcy. They want the ability to return to work safely, their children to get the best educational opportunities safely. Um, and the governor has not worked with the General Assembly to do any of that. So yesterday, uh, the majority leader, as, as, uh, as you heard, held a press conference with several dozen other House Republicans uh, in advance of a veto override vote of his override of uh, our attempt to end his emergency declaration. And that would restore the power to the people, tell the governor that he needs to finally once and for all start working with us. Uh, but really the blame for, for that sort of not working out uh, fell at the feet of, of Democrats in the House yesterday, who, while the vote was bipartisan to end the governor's emergency declaration, the majority of Democrats decided they would rather stick with their political party, stick with their governor, rather than stick up and stand up for the people of Pennsylvania who just want to be able to return to work, pay their bills, support their families, and find that sense of ret- return to normalcy that, that have been taken away from them over the last six months of this governor's devastation. And let's talk a little bit about the background behind this, is because this isn't just related to this emergency. The way the governor has been operating gives him extraordinary power over the people of Pennsylvania, power that the, that the legislature never intended to give him, that I don't think people ever in envisioned a governor taking in, in in the case of you know 180 days a half a year already and tacking on another quarter of a year recently 
Yeah, this uh, this this is something that the people of Pennsylvania, just by the nature of the rule of law, or uh, it, it just is un, uh, unseemly for having the one man to have so much power. Um, you know, we fought a revolution over this to to gain uh, our, our constitutional republic. Um, you know, we are a commonwealth, which means we are here for the common good of all people, not for the common good of one person or under one person's power. Um, you know, it's inherent in the foundation of Pennsylvania that power is diffuse. William Penn made sure of that uh, very early on. So, you know, the, the way that, that that Governor Wolf has handled the, the last six months now, granted, and the leader has, has leader Benninghoff has said many times that in the early parts of the pandemic, the emergency authority and powers were, were warranted because we needed a swift response. We needed, uh, you know, the General Assembly is a deliberative body. It does not, by its very nature, respond quickly to things. And that's why the the emergency declaration and the emergency authorities do exist. It, it gives the, it, the the governor a temporary authority to, uh, to handle situations quickly. Right now, Pennsylvanians might not realize we are in the middle of three different uh, emergency declarations. And, and the key word there is temporary authority here. Right. It's not supposed to be, well, as soon as the guy gets into office, he declares an emergency and rides that out for the entirety of his term. Yeah. The, and, uh, you know, the, the General Assembly is now seeing the error of, of uh, the ways of the past. And we've taken the steps, the extraordinary steps of beginning to amend our Constitution. Uh, to limit the governor's use of emergency authority, uh, and then we're trying to use these temp- these, these uh, short-term goals or solutions to, uh, to to work around what we, we're dealing with right now. So, um, you know, it's really just a shame that a majority of Democrats uh, would would again stand with their governor, stand with their political party over standing up for the people of Pennsylvania. Uh, this yesterday's vote uh, was bipartisan. Uh, the desire to get rid of the governor's emergency declaration is bipartisan, and the ability and desire for the governor to work with the general assembly is also bipartisan. So, um, you know, the only person who doesn't have an open door, literally, is the governor's office. Uh, he hasn't been to uh, to his office in the Capitol regularly for some time. Um, our door remains open. We've tried to work with him uh, by forming a task force, by uh, making various calls or efforts to his offices. Uh, we have uh, sent him legislation that we feel as though reflects the priorities of the people of Pennsylvania, only to have those efforts ignored, uh, those bills vetoed, and the governor to turn a cold shoulder to the people's representatives, who are also duly elected to work on their behalf uh, in the state legislature. So, um, you know, this is a very, very important, you know, uh, thing for the people of Pennsylvania, despite the fact that it might seem like inside baseball, it's really the members of the General Assembly who are closest to them standing up for their voice and standing up for their rights and standing up for their ability to find a return to normalcy. This pandemic is much different in Sullivan County than it is in Allegheny County or Philadelphia County. And the governor issuing unilateral, one-size-fits-all orders uh, is inappropriate. His emergency powers have gone too far. And, uh, you know, we're going to continue to work and stand up for the voice of the people of Pennsylvania. Let's move on to something else that is also really critical in the news now, and, and this is around elections. Let's listen to Leader Benninghoff. Today we have a responsibility for Pennsylvanians to make sure that they have a safe and secure elections. Pennsylvanians want and deserve to know that their ballot will be received, that their vote will be counted, and the election process is ethical and left beyond, beyond reproach. As it's been stated, and I will repeat, we have created four additional ways to get your ballot in, including sitting in your living room, mailing it back out with the postage paid for compliments of the government. That's pretty simple. 
We have an opportunity to make these revisions since the original all, and I think it's important that we do that. It has been stated that the drop boxes are not currently legal or part of the election code. That is correct. What this bill does do is provides access while ensuring the integrity and the privacy of the voting process. Very, very important fundamental right of Americans that we all desire. It increases penalties for those who would attempt to defraud it in any way possible. And as I said, we have simplified the ability for people, whether in a pandemic or not, to have additional ways to make sure that their ballot is securely mailed or delivered back into the process. This is not a partisan bill. It's a common sense bill that protects the vote of every Pennsylvania. And I ask all members, both Republican and Democrats, to join in supporting House Bill 2626 on final passage. All right, we heard a lot there. Uh, that was Leader Benninghoff from the floor, encouraging passage of legislation that would once again amend our election code. Now, this is something that we've got a little bit of experience at recently. The, the House amended the election code just in the spring. We noticed some issues here with, with the latest elections, trying to make a couple of tweaks, but also trying to tweak and not make drastic changes. Talk to us about uh, what's in the news and how that really applies to what's been going on here. Yeah, so the, the Department of State, the governor's own Department of State, uh, issued a report following the primary, which, there again, there is um, major changes made to, to deal with the primary with mail-in voting and, you know, access to the polls. So, um, you know, they did a post-mortem on the primary election, and, you know, the, the changes that they said were needed in that report are closely followed to the concepts that were uh, put into and passed in House Bill 2626 this week. We're dealing with a very interesting dynamic here which is that it's it's the General Assembly's constitutional imperative from the U.S. Constitution to determine the time, place, and manner of elections. And we have taken that very seriously over the last several years and are taking it very seriously this time by trying to pass something that uh, we can get through the General Assembly. Unfortunately, the governor's office has not seriously engaged in any discussions about a, an agreed-to product, um, instead seeking to make a constitutional end run around the General Assembly and trying to negotiate in the courts and in the media, trying to get what he wants to get done. We, we believe that, you know, our constitutional authority is, is serious. Uh, we're taking that authority seriously and we're moving a product that, uh, you know, provides more options to people to cast their ballot, not only uh, by mail-in, but at their normal polling place, uh, as people have done for hundreds of years, and um, by, by allowing them to be able to cast their mail-in ballot at their polling place on the day of the election. So uh, in, in addition to some of the prior existing uh, options for voting. So people have, have many different ways in which they can cast their ballot. Voting is accessible to everyone. Uh, the governor announced earlier that the return envelopes for uh, mail-in ballots will be postage paid, so people don't even have to pay to, to mail the normal stamp to, to mail in their ballots. There, there is no reason that people should not be able to vote. And more importantly, the, the bill that we passed this week, 2626, um, improves the security of the process by, um, you know, doubling the penalties for violations of the election code, uh, cracking down on voter fraud. And while we also make it easier for counties to count ballots earlier, make sure we have an election day, not an election week or an election month. Those pre-canvassing portions that we put into the bill are, are secure because we require that they be recorded uh, by, by video camera. The ballots are recorded 24-7 so that no, nobody can mess around with them. 
uh, requirements for poll watchers are expanded and their access uh, that they have at the polling places is expanded so that um, the, the, the process remains pure, the integrity of the process is protected, and the security of the process is maintained. And you're mentioning the integrity and the security of the process, and you brought up two issues in there. One, that you can drop the ballot off at your local polling place, number two, that we don't want to end up with election month. Yeah. And we need to just be clear about what we're trying to say, because those who are pushing for, you know, to be able to get their ballots in up to a week after the election, that really allows people to look at the results of the election and say, hey, maybe I should have voted. That's a little bit messed up. That allows for a lot of uh, chicanery that could, could happen. Um, we're also hearing a lot about drop boxes, and that that's fraught with problems. Can you talk to us about why we stood so firm on those two issues? Well, drop boxes were never legal. Drop boxes were never legal to begin with. Drop boxes were never even mentioned in the election code. Uh, they were an experiment some counties did on their own last time around. And uh, the problem is, is that you have nobody monitoring the drop boxes. So. You know what happens there is is anybody's guess, and you know it's our intention to make sure that the integrity of our elections uh, is maintained. So we need to have some sort of evidence that nobody's tampering with the process. Um, that's Republicans and Democrats. This is something that's bipartisan, nonpartisan, to make sure that the sanctity of our elections is protected. On top of that, we're changing how we we vote. We we know we know that voter fraud is real. We need as we're making these changes to protect against new ideas or new ways that people might look to uh, alter the outcome of our election. This has been the Pennsylvania Policy Podcast. Join us for more on PA House Podcasts.